right, so we're still making our way through Unit 7 of God's Economics, and Unit 7 is God's Way, Total Dependence and Outpoured Generosity. We are up to point B. God's Way is to give and share all. And so we have made our way up to point three. Early church believers, they gave all and shared all with one another. They did not do it to get anything in return, but it was because the nature of God, his abounding generosity, had taken over their hearts. So they were constantly laying up treasures in heaven, not because they were trying to get something here on this earth, but because they were eagerly awaiting for Jesus to return to usher in the world to come where they knew and they believed that they would receive their eternal reward. So as an example, the 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 apostles who were called, the call of some of the apostles is recorded in the Gospels. They left all and gave all to follow Jesus. They dropped their fishing nets. They left their businesses. They, they knew that following Jesus was worth more than anything this world had to offer. And at the same time, in the early church, even though there were many people who dropped their what they were doing in order to follow Jesus, somehow there was no needy person among God's people in the church in the book of of Acts. Because again, the abounding generosity of God, godliness to be like God, people who had more, they shared what they had with people who had less. And so there was equality among them, not in a communist society where somebody's in charge and ruling and controlling other people by resources and giving to those who have favor and not giving to those who don't, but by the power of the Holy Spirit administering fairly, distributing the resources fairly among the people so that there were no needy people among them. It was originally, we learned about this in Unit 2, God's goal for his people. And this was if they had followed the law, then there would have been no poor people in Israel. So the early church was the living, breathing demonstration that the the law was being upheld and fulfilled through the generosity of the early church because there were no needy people among the church, among God's people in the book of Acts. So also, giving. Giving, this is what the early church were, they were the living demonstration of this. Giving confirms the genuineness of our faith. Now, we've touched on this in different ways, but it confirms by our actions the genuineness of our faith and our obedience to the teachings of Jesus. Now, Jesus, he's the one who said, give to everyone who asks of you. So we, by giving, we're demonstrating that we are those who follow the master whose name is Jesus. And this is how we demonstrate godliness, that we are the children of the Most High God following the one who is the Son of God. So Paul talks to the Corinthians about this um, extensively in chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians, because at this point, Paul was taking an offering 
for uh, the poor in the church because there were some world events that were going on. And so he was taking an offering from the various churches wherever he traveled. And so in this particular case, he's talking to the Corinthians and he's telling them about the church at Macedonia. So that would probably most likely be the, the Philippian church. And we have the letter to the Philippians. So I'm just connecting the dots for you there. When Paul talks about Macedonia, Philippi was the major city in Macedonia. Well, the Macedonian believers were very poor. The Corinthians were not that poor. They they had a lot. But the, the Macedonian or Philippian believers, they were very poor. But in spite of their poverty, they gave with extreme generosity to send aid and support to the believers who were poor because of the events going on in the world in that day. So they gave the example of this is like Jesus pointing out the widow who gave all all that she had, the widow's might. She gave everything that she had to the Lord. That's what the Macedonian believers were doing. They trusted God. They believed God so much. They were willing to give with extreme generosity, even in spite of their extreme poverty. And this was the confirmation that they truly believe God and were following Jesus rather than following Babylon and the ways of this. World. So let's take a look at the scripture. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting with verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy, so they were in extreme um, persecution as well, that's the severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. So they did it willingly. They gave it, you know, joyfully. They wanted to give beyond, like the widow, she gave all she had. It seems like the Macedonian believers gave even what they didn't have. They put themselves, you know, it at risk because they were giving so much. Verse four, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints, right? So they were like, please let us give you all we have, please. Okay, I would love for someone to beg me that. I mean, that it's like they wanted so badly to participate in the work of the Lord and to give to the fellow believers in other parts of the world that were lacking at that time. Verse 5, and this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves, here we go, first to the Lord. That's the priority. It's not about the money. It's about the heart for the Lord. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. So they gave themselves to the Lord because they believed Paul and the team that was with him, but they also gave themselves over to being directed by Paul and his delegates um, because they believed that they were representing God, right? So they had given themselves to the Lord. We're still talking about the Macedonian believers. So now we're jumping to verse 7. Paul now starts to address the Corinthian believers. He says, but as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, 
see that you excel in this act of grace also. So he's saying, all right, yeah, you got some spiritual gifts. You, you are good communicators. You got a lot of knowledge of God. You're very earnest and eager to do the things of God. Okay, so show me your faith by excelling, being excellent at giving. Be an excellent giver. Okay, and we're up to verse eight. I say this not as a command, but to prove, prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine, right? So he's like, show me what you got. You say you're so super spiritual. Remember 1 Corinthians, you know, he's talking about the Corinthian church. They're showing all their spiritual gifts all over the place. And he's like, yeah, that's great. Show me your faith by excelling at giving, right? And I'm going to test you by comparing your generosity to the generosity of the Macedonians who gave well beyond what they were even able to give, and they even begged for the privilege of doing that. So he's saying, prove by the earnestness of others. Like, I'm going to measure you. I'm going to weigh the genuineness of your faith by the earnestness of the Macedonian believers. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that that you by his poverty might become rich. So this is the thing. We talked about this in the parable of the shrewd manager. Jesus had all the riches of heaven, all of them. It was all his, and he didn't have to share it. But for our sake, he left the riches of heaven and became poor. Not only did he become poor by emptying himself of his godly throne, but he was born in a manger. He was born in a manger. He became poor. He was born to poor parents who could only offer two turtle doves, not even a lamb, on the eighth day of his life to consecrate him to the Lord as the to, to God as the firstborn. He became poor. He took on flesh and blood like you and I have, so that by his poverty, by him becoming poor, we have become rich. Not rich in, oh yeah, look at my bank account, but we have become rich because we are now connected to God, which if he had not shed his blood, if he had not poured his life out, then we would not be connected to God. We have become rich because he was willing to become poor. And here's the thing. Godliness, Christ-likeness, is are you willing to become poor so that someone else can become rich in God? This starts to get really serious really fast, and it cuts right to the heart of where your heart is really at. So Paul, we're jumping into 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and starting with verse 12. For the ministry of this service, he's talking about giving. So Paul has gone on and on a a little bit. Now he's in chapter 9. He's still talking to the Corinthians. But this service of giving is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. So God is getting glory when you give according to his will. God receives the praise, not you, 
You don't get the recognition. You don't get the praise. You don't get the thanks. God gets the thanks because you're just obeying him. You're using the resources that he gave you to supply someone else's need. So when they receive it, they receive it as a gift from God and they praise God. Oh, I thank you, God, that you have taken care of my need, that you have supplied my need according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus, right? So it's thanksgiving unto God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. So we talked about this in a prior segment. It's not just about confessing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I I confess with my mouth that I have faith. I confess with my mouth, right? Okay, no, 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 no. They're praising God because you actually submitted yourself and did something about it. Not just you flapping your jaws and talking a lot, But you submitted yourself to do and obey the commands of God and the voice of the Holy Spirit. So your submission accompanies your confession of faith, which proves that your faith is actually real. And the generosity of your contribution. So the, the thanksgiving is going up to God. They approve, they glorify God because you obeyed God. And which proves that your faith is genuine. And because of your contribution, they're thankful for your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. So when you give to people in the Lord who are in need, they then pray for you. They raise up praises. They lift up your name before the Lord, and God hears their prayers of gratitude. It is a wonderful, beautiful thing to to have other people lifting you up in prayer because you have been obedient to God to give away what He gave you in the first place. All right, so continuing on in godliness and doing things God's way, for believers to have quarrels between one another or lawsuits between one another is totally just demonstrating you completely don't get it. You're absolutely not doing things God's way at all. Okay, let's just pause and be clear on that. Lawsuits, not God's way. Here's what Jesus commands. So if you're in a lawsuit, you're suing someone for something, or you're being sued and you're allowing that lawsuit, you're fighting it or fighting against it, you're you're functioning in a way that is contrary to the teachings of Jesus. Here's what Jesus said. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let them have your cloak as well. Okay. So there are other parts of the law of God where it says, hey, if if there's a poor person, don't take his cloak as a pledge because that's how he keeps warm. Like if, if you take his cloak as a pledge during the day while he's working for you or whatever, you have to give his cloak back at night because that's how that's what he sleeps in. Right. If he's poor. So giving your cloak that I mean, that's a big deal. That's what's going to keep you cozy and warm. So they've already stolen from you. And now Jesus is saying, yep, give them your comfort as well. The teachings of Jesus are not, oh, someone's suing you for your tunic. Okay, well, why don't you counter sue and not only get your tunic back, but get a bonus thrown in there for your emotional trauma. 
No, stop it. Giving your cloak means following the commands of Jesus. You know, someone steals something from you, give them a gift. Let them keep what they stole and give them a gift in return. Give them a gift even for stealing from you. Guess what? That's what Jesus did for you. All your life, you stole from God. You took what was his and didn't give him any credit. So then what did God do? He gave his son to die on a cross for your sins. He gave you an incredible gift that you didn't deserve. He just kept giving and giving and giving and giving. And we're called to be like God, called to be like Jesus. And if you're not quite like him yet, you're at least called to obey his commands. The Apostle Paul, again to the Corinthians, talking about money to the Corinthians, he talked about this in 1 Corinthians. He said, to have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. This is 1 Corinthians 6. So there were lawsuits between fellow believers. He said, why not suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? Lawsuits are the ways of this world. Letting yourself be wronged is the way of Christ, Jesus, who was never wrong. He was always right, but he allowed himself to be wronged, to demonstrate the mercy and the abounding agape love and generosity of God so that we would desire to be connected to God. Jesus poured out. This is another way of laying up treasure in heaven, making friends for yourself in eternity by demonstrating outpoured mercy and generosity. Let yourself be wronged. He said, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, be defrauded. Let yourself be wronged the way that Jesus allowed himself to be wronged. We follow a crucified king. So some of you, you think, oh, I've tapped into Jesus. So like I get to just use Jesus name and command what I want in this situation. Yeah, I'm going to use Jesus name. And in Jesus name, I win my lawsuit. Woohoo! Look at me go. Wow. Okay. You understand that there is power in the name of Jesus and you are right about that. But this is why there will be those who stand before Jesus and you'll be saying, I prophesied in your name. I did this and that in your name. And he'll say, yep, I never knew you because you were using my name for all kinds of stuff that are completely contrary to my ways, my likeness, and my commands. The ways of God are mercy to forgive others at our own expense, even if it's costly. Forgiveness is always costly. And then trust God to restore your losses to you. Just like I said, you can't be afraid of zero when you're giving. Well, you can't be afraid of zero if somebody else is taking from you. Believe God, trust God, and God will take care of you. And this last point, we cannot outgive God. And no one can put us ever, it's not possible to be put in a position where God is unable to provide for us. You cannot outgive God. You, like, God, he just, I'm sorry, he's God. You're doing things his way. There's no way he's not going to look out for you and take care of you and provide all that you need. 
And the more you give for God's purposes, for God's kingdom, the more God will enrich you and multiply you in every way. But this is not sowing and reaping. This is just the abounding generosity of God and the way that God delights in those who delight in him. God delights to bless those who have shown that they get it, that they understand his ways. This is not sowing and reaping to get what you want back. It is giving to God, abounding towards him. And then he says, wow, that's one who really understands what this is all about. And so because they've shown that they're not afraid to give, because they've shown their faith in me and not faith in money and their own control, I'm going to bless them so big because they really understand in their heart what this is all about. So let's look at this. Hear it with fresh ears, friends. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. That's give. Give without expecting anything in return. Whoever gives sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. That's not about tricking the system. That's just a fact of the matter. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. All, all grace, everything you could possibly ever need in life, not just money, everything. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Do you see that? What did I say leading into this? God wants to abound and multiply towards people who get it, who are doing the good works of his kingdom. If you're doing the good works of his kingdom, you will always have everything you need at all times in all ways. That's just, that's what Paul is saying. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Do you see that? When God sees, okay, that's someone who is generous. They're not just talking about being generous. They actually are generous. They've got the heart. I've been looking for someone to have that heart. Well, once I see that, yeah, I'm going to enrich them, multiply them in every possible way. Why? Because I see that by their behavior, they have demonstrated to me that they're going to be generous with it. They're going to do my purposes in the earth. So God will enrich you in every way, be generous to you in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Do you see it, friends? When we do things God's way, when we become like God, he delights to open up the floodgates of heaven towards us and provide for everything that he has purposed for us to do. Jesus also said, okay, we're, we're still on. You can't outgive God. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. 
Now, all of that, I know that these scriptures are often used by those same prosperity preachers who are trying to trick the system with the sowing and reaping. Like I said, it is a real spiritual law, but we've got to give with a heart that expects nothing in return. So Jesus continues. He's talking about don't be judgy, don't be condemning, forgive, show mercy. That's the context for this. But verse 38, very well known, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So if you're, you know, struggling to tithe and you're saying that you're really generous, but you only give like $5 a week or whatever, I don't know, maybe $5 is a lot for you. I'm not trying to put a number on it. Sorry for that. But, you know, the measure that you use, God, okay, he's, he, you're showing God what you can responsibly handle. Jesus, the measure he used was 100%, 1,000%. So are you giving like Jesus? Are you giving a thousand percent or are you giving like one percent? Okay, if you give one percent, God will give one percent. He might test you out, give you two percent, see what you do with that. If you go and you spend it on stupid stuff, well, okay, let's get you back to the one percent level. All right, where where are you at with this? I'm not trying to put dollar amounts on it, but the measure that you use, you're showing God how to behave towards you what you can handle, what you will steward wisely. And I mean wisely, not by building it up for yourself, but by giving it away the way that God does and the way that Jesus commands us to. And wrapping this up, Proverbs 11, starting with verse 24, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. So, you know, you think, oh, if I give and give and give, I'm going to be without, I'm going to lack. No, that's not how it works. Now, it takes faith to enter into this, but the more open-handed and the more freely you give, God will bless you and you will grow all the richer. But if you keep withholding because of your own fear that God's not going to provide, then, yep, you're going to think that God is a harsh man and he takes what he doesn't give and he reaps where he doesn't sow. You're going to keep withholding and you'll only continue to be in want. You give and God will give. You will grow all the richer. But if you hold it back, even when you should give it, whether that's giving your tithe to God or whether that's giving to the poor when you should give it because you're able, you're the rich man and you've got a Lazarus right there who's like hoping not to be eaten by the dogs. Don't withhold. Give freely. Show your faith by what you do. If you don't, then you'll just continue to be in want. If you will be a blessing to others, God will make sure that you are enriched in every way. You cannot outgive God. Giving generously is a major part of being God's representative in the earth. To be God-like, godly, to be Christ-like, like Jesus. Godliness and generosity go hand in hand together. 